welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining me. My guest today is somebody who I knew or wanted to have on as soon as I started this podcast. My man, John Mooney, a.k.a. Tress Passion. John is a uh, urban explorer, photographer, I guess is the best way to put it. He kind of goes to places where a lot of people would never go. Abandoned hospitals and um, Chernobyl and other crazy places and takes photographs that of things that most of us will never see his work is absolutely beautiful the precision and technique he puts into it is pretty breathtaking and his he's full of so many good stories i've known john for a long time we used to be part of the same hip-hop collective project mayhem back in the day so i think he might be the fourth person from project mayhem that's already been on the um podcast and i'm i'm guessing probably not the last but um yeah definitely check him out at trespassion he's got prints for sale we reference a book that he put out that um i have since ordered and i cannot wait to get my hands on that i believe it's called not evidence and uh the story about it is amazing definitely check out stick around for a story about chernobyl and i'd highly recommend tracking down on youtube some he has about 15 minutes of what looks like gopro video that he had on his head while he was walking around chernobyl and taking photographs and it's it's really it's a scene unlike anything you're really going to see so i would definitely recommend checking that out following john and supporting him in every way you can so all right thank you so much i appreciate it mooney and i'll talk to you guys later peace Hello, welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox Podcast. I am your host, Soma79, my ghost, like, shit, I can't get anything right. My <laughs> guest today, my ghost today, because we can't see him, is um, Trespassion. Uh, your your real name's out there, right? John Mooney. John Mooney. Uh, Trespassion on, yeah, it, it's so funny because people in like the world I'm in now have no idea that part of my life even existed. Yeah. That well, to a... get... Yeah, you're a rapper, I think we're going to say. Yeah, yeah, I was a rapper many, many years ago. And you actually had a, we had a line that's one of my favorite lines from back in the day. Um, the, um, in these streets where the police will beat you and go to donkeys in a town where dodging bullets is easier than dodging junkies. Yeah, you know what's funny? Because that, um, that little EP, or yeah, EP I made is still on SoundCloud, actually, like hidden on SoundCloud somewhere. And I'll go back to it every once in a while and like, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't a necessarily good rapper, but I still enjoy my writing. I don't really, yeah. I don't regret anything I ever really wrote for the most part that I recorded and put out like in the world. You know, I still listen to that stuff and I'm like, yeah, I still, still have a lot of those beliefs and a lot of those like thinking. And like, I know how much time and energy I put into that. You know, it's, it's, it was like early early before photography and like now the energy is in that type of aspect of my life i'll always enjoy writing it to some ex uh extent but like going back and listening to that like cool to be dead and stuff like that and like the procedure i'm like some of that stuff's kind of corny but it's still like i don't know i still kind of i still kind of mess with it yeah i mean the, the the song that i just call is mental mosh pit was one of my favorite of yours and like i listened to it again today and like the thing that does stand kind of stand out is we didn't really know what we were doing recording like mixing back then so there no was a idea. classic like the like oh, i'll just record myself twice saying the same thing but yeah, it still well, sounded dope like your lyrics were on point you were on beat and i was like this song still fucking kills. <laughs> you listen to that i listened to the version of mental mosh pit that was on my album and it sounds like it's donnie's song Oh, he really? does my he he's on he does my dubs on it. And he's oh, I've so, never heard that. 
he's so prominent on it that it almost sounds like it's a song but i enjoy that so much about it because he always brought so much energy to that song yeah oh, whether he was there or not i feel like he was he brought like, energy he brings any energy everywhere he energy everywhere. i absolutely love that yeah. his name has come up place. a bunch on this and i talked to him about coming on at some point but uh we're gonna figure I, it out i'm sure he'll be on he's yeah. He, he loves to talk. I love the kid. He loves to hear his own yeah. voice. We were talking. I was talking with Cloak and Dagger about how, like, you know, he probably would hate this, but like, he'd be somebody if he followed around with a camera for a reality show. Like, I would watch it. I'd watch him like like go through his mail. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch him work in his garden. I'd watch yeah. him play with, you know, hang out with the wife. I'd I'd watch him make like a vegetarian dinner or whatever they do over there. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I I would definitely watch him. I'd watch the little conflicts he gets in about like the most random stuff yeah you know the true passion he brings to everything he does absolutely and that's what i love about him you know he's never he's never gonna bite his tongue he's gonna tell you what he thinks he's gonna put it out there and take it or leave it yeah and he's been that person since back in those days too because we met through um project mayhem i think you're number four on my project mayhem bingo card of this podcast i think because of that (laughs) pilzion aztec uh uh, skippy raw one and i think that's it for now but um, you talked to skippy yeah i did he he actually executive produced my new album but it's coming out next year and he um like he 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 made it sound good <laughs> so he, it's not he may not even remember me but i loved that kid he was such a nice dude oh i'm sure he does yeah he's the nicest uh, dude yeah i i just hearing that name just brings back so many memories like wow that's another one because nobody calls him that anymore. Everybody calls him Ryan, but um, yeah, and now um, he goes by Upgrade too. That's what his upgrade? like. Okay. Yeah, upgrade, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I always knew him through judges, Skippy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I met him. We went to um, he had a stu- my one of the first times I ever went to like a really nice studio was his spot in yeah. Boston that yeah. Judge brought me to, and I was just like, holy crap, taken back by that whole situation. I didn't even write anything that night. I don't think I was just so enamored with the whole being in there and i i basically watched judge just record i think a bunch of stuff for uncomfortable uncomfortable yeah i think so yeah yeah and that's something too we were talking about judge in a different episode where even back then like i said to someone else that he was like the way he probably looked at krs1 was the way like i looked at him because he had so much raw talent and his voice was so big and he was just like you're already so far ahead you know he was oh like he's up there i think with Aesop Rock when it comes to like the most in depth with their writing with that uh, like I'll listen to old judge all judge tracks that I yeah. enjoyed for different reasons than I enjoy now where a, a lot of time it, like it's a lot with Aesop it's so much that it takes like life experience to you to like come across something that you didn't come across 20 years ago and you're like oh that's what that line meant you know yeah. like it takes life experience to understand some things in a song that you haven't like cross that bridge yet and then you listen to the song after you've gone through that and you're like oh i thought he was talking about this and liked it you know it'll it, right it's like a lotus is just so many like many leaves to on like to t- tear back almost right. or sometimes he and, was talking about one thing back then but now time almost changes what it is like it's like that's it, it, it can go that way as well yeah yeah Perspective is a beautiful thing. It is. Um, so I was actually just watching some of your videos. Speaking of Aesop Rock, I saw one you shot, some footage you shot of him, or he did um, uh, Song Off Impossible Kid, and then uh, I don't know if it was Daylight or Nightlight. I was... Uh, yeah. yeah. That's funny because... So that was a show... I talked to someone at Rhymesayers like two or three times, like through email. This is a lot of the reason why I trespass. Same same reasons. Um, 
we were talking through emails and I was like, I don't want to meet Aesop. I don't want to like, I'd love to meet Aesop, but that right. wasn't why I that was wasn't trying. Point, yeah. I, I just wanted press access so I could get my camera in the club. And they're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Your work looks great, blah, blah, blah. Like, and then like two weeks before the show, I, I wasn't even trying to get a ticket. I already had a ticket. I just wanted the okay to get my camera in the club. Cause a lot of times it'll be, it'll be like, oh, no professional cameras, right, which yeah. means any camera with a uh, changeable lens. Okay. Um, so like a week or two before the, the show, I was just like calling the touch, uh, emailing the touch base and it went dark. I never heard a response. So I was like, fuck it. I'm sneaking my fucking picture and I'm sneaking my camera in the club. So I ended up like hiding it in my hat as the guy was like patting me down. Was this the Middle East? No, it was different. It was a place in near Harvard. Okay. I can't think of where that is, but never mind. Yeah. Because I, I was saw thinking Gris- about- I saw Griselda there as well, and I can't think of the name of the place. Uh, I had, I had- you'd be surprised at security in Cambridge, people who don't know, going to a hip hop show. Like going in the Middle East, it's like I've they frisk you more than almost any other place, I feel like. It's it's not easy. Uh, I think that's camera. second to like Logan as far yeah, as, as far as like but it, it's funny because like if I was ever like the cameraman is the perfect dude to be the drug dealer of the club because they yeah. start looking through my bag and they're like, I don't want to go through all this shit. Like, just go, like, go do what you got to do. So, but this time I was not able to, like, I, I wasn't supposed to, I had no credentials. So I just like hit it in my new era as they were like, pat me. I like, I folded my like hat yeah. over it and they just patted me down to the fullest and I got my camera in with one lens and I'm like, all right. So, so then I shot that video with no light. And then I shot a couple of pictures and then Ryan Sayers ended up using one of my pictures as like on their page. And it ended up being in like their top 10 for like 2020 of the oh, like, wow. images they used. And I'm like, dude, I could have got you like 400 other ones. If you just, if you just fucking responded, yeah. responded to a fucking email. Sorry. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, I swear away. It's fine. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. And that's so much for two is that like, I mean, I send, you send so many friggin' emails and you wonder if people ever read them or respond. And it's just, it sucks. And, and I only for someone talk that get... way. Cause I get so passionate about it. And I've yeah. had that happen the same, same with like trying to get access to locations, yeah. you know? And a, a lot of times with that, it's like, ultimately you're getting someone to take time out of their day to allow you to do something that ultimately they don't care about. And I right. get that. And know, may like, even come back to bite them. Because like, we should mention what you do. You're, you're an urban photographer is the best way to put it. Urban explorer. Or... Uh, urban explorer. Um, I don't try to like necessarily. I'm an urban explorer, I guess. Yeah. I'm a photographer. Um, just, just broad strokes. It feels, yeah. yeah, broad Go strokes. Go places where you're not pigeon-holy. supposed to be to take pictures of things that other people will never see. Yeah. I, I got into it through skateboarding photography, honestly. Um, and then kind of went into it through um through that type of type of way it was just like a random weekend trip with a buddy and then that just became what we did every weekend because right. skateboarding is a good first step into trespassing i mean essentially like you know yeah well i mean i think years and years of looking at trans world and thrasher and looking at you know still to this yeah. day some of my favorite photographers you know would ultimately like high speed sports photography you know and getting idea of composition like through osmosis almost yeah. of just looking at them over and over again. And I, I think skateboarding photography is one aspect of sports photography. If I'm going to call it that, you know, um, that I think they take a little bit more like artistic leniency with, you'll see more 
you know, um, more obtuse angles and different types of things that you're not going to see on like necessarily a tops trading card, you know, where, exactly. where I think a lot of sports photography lies, you know, you'll see top high, like up high angles and stuff like that, that you won't see on like most, you know, baseball cards, hockey cards, stuff like that. It's always typical portrait shots. Um, and that gave me a, like different views on the world. And when I got into photography myself later, even if it, you know, not even close to the same type of thing, but more of an approach on how to like view the world. Yeah, it's definitely understandable. So what um, I remember you, you inspired me to um, really pick up my art because you did a project 365 years ago and where you did a picture every day for a year. And I seem to remember that was, I think, when you first landed on my radar that you were doing photography. And I was, I think maybe the following year I was, uh, really trying to get better doing portraits. So I did one of those every yep. day for a year and it was definitely yep. directly inspired from what you did. So what really brought you Appreciate to that, that part? And for me, I, it made me so much of a better artist. So thank you. So what did it do for you? And, and um, what was your approach there? So it was about, I want to say probably about a year after I got my camera. And for the first year I would go out skateboarding with my buddies at night, typically after work. And we would, we had like different areas in Boston where we'd go bomb Hills and I would bring my kid. I always had a backpack on me because I was a hip hop kid, you know? Yeah. Used to, used to just have a, uh, like a notebook and spray cans in it. And now it had like a heavy ass back, uh, heavy ass camera and tripod and shit in it. So I was just like gearing myself up for that, I guess with those years, but I would bring my camera out with me and I would, as we were like, you know, illegally at the time smoking weed on the streets, um, yeah. A thing of the past. Um, Times of the change. I, 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 yeah, thankfully, but yes. it also strange. I think about the world that my son is going to grow up in, where weed is just going to completely, you know, the norm. And I, I right. once did a night in jail for a blunt. You know, like it'll, it, I'm <laughs> glad know. he's going to grow up into it, but it's just going to be a whole different view on it. Um, I would take out my camera and I'd shoot like long exposures in the city as we just hung out. So after that first year, I, I was having a son. I was having my first kid and I was like, oh, well, I thought it would be the best way to keep a camera in my hand at least once a day. I figured that was good regiment. So I did it with my son. And in the first year, I definitely got a lot better when it came to portraits, you know, because that's ultimately what it was. I was doing crude artistic photography on the side and um, learning a lot about that. And while I was working, I was also like watching different YouTube, I, I've, I've probably paid for premium YouTube for the past 10 years. Because I thought I was the only one. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of us out there. The more people I say that to, the more I hear that, oh yeah, I had red, like, I, I forget yeah. what the YouTube it was. YouTube Red, red was what it was called. Well, back yep. when Cobra Kai was on there and Rob Hubel yep. had that show you a dead guy show, which if you haven't seen, well, check that out. <laughs> the, what is it, Rob Hubel? I love Rob Hubel. He had, a, he had a thing where he would like have a different comedian on for every episode. And he's like, I'm going to bring you somewhere and show you a dead guy. And it was all obviously staged, but it was basically yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, how yeah. awkward it would be if you were like Adam Pally and like Rob Hubel was like bring you to some creepy image like, his... as a dead guy. I'm going to completely fucking, yeah, I'm going to deep six. That's fine. Have you ever seen that? Um, there's a Rob Hubel like action comedy that he did where he's like, uh, then there's a whole, Oh my God. When we debrief, I'm going to have to okay, Google cool. that. All right. Um, but all right. So like for, for the, yeah, and it's a really good one. He's like, it's like almost mission impossible, but this, it's like kind of like gory. I remember there being a lot of murders. It's, it's like not a, NTSFST no. SUV, uh, which is amazing. No. Yeah. That one's great too. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, he's a local guy. Oh yes, yeah, from like New Hampshire, I think. I think I looked yeah, him up I, recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's 
Maybe Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, like, right. Maybe it's Massachusetts. Northeast guy, definitely. But I thought that was great. And he's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Hot Tub Time Machine is so good because definitely. of him, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I had my son. Um, and I did a picture for him every day with my ex, my, um, my ex, ex's help. Yeah. And, well, because I spent my first Father's Day as a dad in, in Pripyat. I was in, in, Tr- in Chernobyl. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah. So I, th- I think I'm pretty much a normal guy when it comes to everything else. But if you were to like give me a one of one, I think I'm the only, maybe one of the only people, maybe only American that could say I spent my first Father's Day as a dad in Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for good reason, I... too. Like, you know, not like, not like stuck on a layover. Like, yeah. No, no, no. I was there. I was actually like in, I was in the Modern Warfare 2 map like looking at like the pool and stuff like that on my first father's day. Yeah. So that I was definitely going to bring it up. There's, a, there's an excellent video on YouTube on your page where you go through some of the stuff you saw there. You know, we've talked a little bit about that over the years. How did that experience come together? Um, how long were you able to be in there? And um... I spent a long weekend in the Ukraine. Um, I had a buddy that was stationed in Italy uh like a lifelong friend and he was going to do it and we had always kind of joked about doing it and then he as um a gift for me having my first son offered to pay half of my airfare so then i just kind of jumped on the opportunity i spent 36 years uh, 36 hours in the air flying and probably about 48 to 50 on the ground in wow. in Kiev, you know, it was just one day in in Pripyat, one day in Kiev, and then two days pretty much of travel. But oh, I, I a day two two days in Kiev, one day one day in Pripyat, and then the rest was flying. Um, it was crazy. Um, but I just basically took pictures the whole time. I didn't really do much else. I wasn't at a party or anything like that. It right. was just a, it was a really quick trip. There, I'm I, sure that Chernobyl doesn't really have much of a nightlife anyway. You know. Oh, I think it does. It seemed like a pretty wild, yeah. wild place. Honestly, I I definitely could have gotten into a lot of trouble there if I wanted to. But I was just, yeah. I was also expecting my first son. I, I, right, I had right. I had my first son. I was low on funds. You know, it was not. Yeah, not it's a also the worst place. To, not a great place to end up in a foreign jail or something. No, no. What was crazy is when I got back, I was literally watching like probably six months later. They were it was the, almost the same type of conflict we had recently. Where you know they were invaded by Putin and they were shooting people on the streets, like streets I'd walked six months earlier as an American. You know, if timing had been different, I would have got stuck there. You yeah, know? it was it was just lucky how the timing worked out. So with your trip to Chernobyl, was was it uh, was it? I mean, I don't know how legitimate you can go to Chernobyl. I guess is my question. Was you this... could do tours. I did okay. tours of it. So you had to go through. You you got eight hours basically the tour is, but you spend about two and a half of them going through checkpoints and stuff like that and different. Um, I'm sure fake radiation scans with guy, you know, like yeah. everything's everything's fine. You're good, you're good. Just go through. But right. uh, yeah, you spent you spend a bunch of time going through that. And then our tour guide was kind of like jaded and didn't really talk much. Luckily, I had like done a bunch of research and my entire life before that and knew like pretty much a lot of the story. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy trip. It went quick. I wish I did two days because um, you can you can do more. Um, I just didn't have the. You can do night trips as well. I've seen some great like astro like night like Milky Way shots over the over the Ferris wheel and shit like that. It just looks incredible. Uh, bucket list type of shots, but yeah, that was that was right into my and I shot it on like 
three cameras of the go, like such a basic setup, like um none of the lenses I have today, like no wide angle lenses. It was all tight. Yeah. Um I couldn't use a tripod as well. They wouldn't let me bring it. I so for the past like eight years, I'd say ninety percent of the shots you see uh that I've done are on a tripod. Right. You know, they're usually like five to seven images all put together so the lighting is right across the entire scene so i don't have like big white blown out windows or really and dark I, i've shadows. seen you shoot before you're not somebody who will shoot a thousand photos and then try to find the good one later you're someone who wants to get the good photo and know he has it it seems um typically uh which i think is not necessarily a good thing later because i've become i I look back at a lot of things and I'm like, damn, I wish I shot that yeah, more. All would have taken like, was a few more of these. <laughs> yeah, a few more of those. I spend a lot more time like walking around with my camera in my bag and like trying to find my shot. But usually once my camera's out of my bag and on my tripod, I'm shooting a bunch. You know, I'm yeah. trying I'm trying to get everything done. So like I have camera straps on my sh- on my backpack thing. So I try and always have my camera out. If my camera's out of my bag, I'm so much more likely to use it. Yeah. So I have like certain things that like I'm more, I'll just have it hanging from my shoulder strap. So I'll use it more. Um, I do a lot of times leave it in my bag, which is the problem. I'll walk around Boston for hours and not take a picture, just waiting for the one shot to hit me. And then I'll take a bunch of shots. But after I did my first 365, um, I didn't, I started another 365 that was going to be all landscape. And then I started, I finished that 365, but in the middle of that, I got pregnant with my daughter and then realized I had to do a third 365 in the portion of like four years. So wow. I may do another 365 at some point, but I've taken a couple of years off from them because it it's exhausting. It, it was it was great. I don't regret anything, but I didn't think about it going into it that if I do it with my first son, I'm a right. bad dad. If I right, that's yeah, there'll be questions other. later in life. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't do it for my daughter, I'm a huge piece of piece of shit. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was good. It's funny looking at my daughters because the pictures are definitely elevated from what they were on my sons. They were a lot cruder and a lot less understanding of photography rules that I think I believe are broken, but are right. necessarily rules that I somewhat adhere to at this point, knowing knowing some of the things I do about how the brain will. Yeah, I mean, it's be broken image. on purpose, not on accident. You know, yeah, exactly. For, there you know, there are reasons, <laughs> yeah, reasons to to break those rules for art for artistic, um, artistic elevation. Yeah, it is fun. I did a second three sixty five, which I didn't really share many of them, but I I I always had a trouble drawing from my imagination. Like I always copy something, but I'm like, oh, I'm gonna do it every year, every day this year. I'm gonna draw something from my imagination. And I still have that I, Method Man one you drew, man. Oh, sweet, thanks. Yeah, I love that one. Um, yeah, that, that was an amazing great. photo um that's but, one of my favorite live shots I've taken. yeah so how how did you get into i mean the hip-hop aspect of it like because i know you i saw there's a picture of slick rick you did that blows me away i'm a huge slick rick fan um you know we we came up in the same hip-hop scene in boston and how did you get into taking those photographs uh a lot um that was through another photographer friend i mean luckily um through like photography, I've met a lot of like videographers and photographers through it. Um, that was through another um, videographer, uh, Scott Sando. And he hit me oh, up one I night. I know that name. I think we're friends on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Sando's awesome. Such good people. Like Rose Glenn is like a brother to me at this point. 
Um, I feel so lucky because a lot of these people will send me like rough drafts and be like, what do you think? And I get to see like some incredible stuff like before it comes out and it's just a play. It feels like a blessing a lot of times, but Sando hit me up and was like, what are you doing? Uh, I have an extra press pass to um, the art of rap. Oh yes. The one that Ice-T put on. Yeah. So I got to meet Ice-T and Coco. I met, dude, I, I got a picture of Rakim and Raekwon exchanging numbers to do a song later through a mirror in the back room. I saw them talking. I was kind of listening, fly on the wall type of thing. And there was a mirror just like in the right position. So like it wasn't over the shoulder. So I wasn't seeing any of their phone stuff, but watching them interact and talk about doing a song later and watching Raekwon get Rakim's number. I like just popped a quick picture and it was just kind of like a moment that like I yeah, I mean, I I guess I had business what? being in the room for, right. but it felt like I had no business in the room for. Yeah, um, Rakim is you know at Mount Rushmore, God level, you know, like yeah. I think the uh, was the seventeenth letter is probably top ten album for me of all time. Yeah, as um, it be. so and meeting him was amazing. He was one of the most down to earth dudes that like his time was obviously valuable. So he's pulled all over the place, but right. when you had his attention in the, the short, like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, I got with him. He was the most down to earth dude. I took, a, he's, I enjoy getting to take the pictures. So I don't yeah. get to be in a lot of the pictures, right? you know, which is fine by me. Cause it, that that's not what I'm there for. You know, like I'm not, I'm as much as I'm a fan, I'm there to also do a job. And I think it would do my part, I guess, in the art. And it's right. to document it for others to enjoy. Um, he was one of the few that I asked to get a picture with. And as I was taking a picture with him, I put my hand down to like kind of my side. So I wasn't holding up my camera. And he goes, no, you hold up that camera. You show people what you do. And it was such a unreal <laughs> rock him answer. Yeah, it was it was perfect. It was the most like amazing thing I'd ever heard. And I already, I had already shot those method man shots and stuff like that before that. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just such a moment for me, honestly. It's amazing. They always say don't meet your, your heroes, but every once in a while you meet your hero. And even if it's, if it's for like 10 seconds, they prove they, they, they just like, Oh, by the way, they dunk in those 10 seconds and like walk off. You're like, all right, that's like, you drop that pearl. You probably drop fifty of those on people a day. It's like you are yeah, who ex- it's like you are Rakim. You are who we want you to be. You know he couldn't. He, like just when you thought the man couldn't have got any cooler, he went yeah. and did something like this. It was just so. It was amazing. And I had bit like uh, Ghostface was also there. It was a Raekwon and Ghostface, and I had wanted to meet Ghostface in my entire life. That was my brother's favorite rapper. Yeah. Um, Supreme Clientele was my brother's favorite oh, album. Buck Fifty. Just, I, that song just. Oh, scientific man, my hand kiss it robotic lifted optimistic yeah. you probably missed it watch me dolly dick it's scotty wally cop it hit me that oh man that the words you walk better be the words you talk body so, you so i listen to that so much my brother so i had always i've always wanted to meet ghost and it was uh it, it was not his fault at all i don't blame him at all he was obviously rushed out of the situation but i couldn't i didn't get a chance to meet him and i've oh it always killed me because i met raekwon raekwon was amazing you know i took a picture with him too he was he was all over the place. I took a shot with him and um, Rock him, and I was just, I, I felt like staying outside the place trying to meet Ghostface, and I couldn't because he just got to walk past me, and I didn't want to, like, I couldn't, 
Yeah. He he, he had a, a, a supreme move to his step, and there was no way I was walking in front of him to yeah. try and get a moment with him. Sometimes but, you uh, see those people, and you're like, you know, it's just not that day. It's um, not It's I, not the time. It's I, like if somebody's eating or something like that. I'm not going to interrupt. So I will meal, say, I did know? bother like, one person while they were eating, and they, they were actually glad that I did. I, I bumped in. It was like it was like maybe 8 in the morning. I was at, in a pickle and wall fam, and I saw a guy that I swear was RJD2 eating breakfast, and I'm like, why would he be here? And the way out, I might do it. I hate to do this, but are you RJ? And he was like shocked to be recognized. And he looked like he was happy to be recognized in front of the guy with him. So I it think it was really I him. him. Yeah, it was him. And because I, I was, I was. Well, that, really... that's, I think that's a different level because like I know who RJ D2 is. Yeah, he probably doesn't get recognized very much. And it was funny because I was sitting with my girlfriend and I Googled the picture. And the picture that came up looked like he was taken like five minutes before like this guy walked in the yeah. door. Like, it was so it was so awesome. <laughs> He's wearing the same outfit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this has I'm like, it's gonna ruin me if it's not him. And he was like super excited to be recognized. Like, uh, that happened with me in um uh, what's um he's he's a lot more known now. Whose atmosphere is um why can't oh, I think of his aunt? Yeah, aunt. Yeah. Ant was outside. It was uh, you'll you won't believe how much fun we're having tour. Oh, Ant that's was my front. favorite. That's my favorite atmosphere album. I love that album. Yeah, God loves ugly will always hold a place yeah, in my it. heart because I, I I think at the time I heard it, I think you're probably you're that's probably his best complete album. I, 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 well, loves, I think God loves ugly. Yeah, that was my first atmosphere that I really got into. Uh, it's it's but wrong. I I I think you can't believe is a more complete album. Oh yeah, it's I, bigger. Yeah. It's yeah. Bit, yeah, 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 you could tell. But Ant was out front. Of, they were on tour doing that, and I was. It was out front, and literally the whole place is filled to see them. But nobody knows who Ant is because he's not on the cover. Yeah, and he looked. Ant kind of looks a little he's, like at times, like a little like Carl from Aquatine, but like kind of yep. better. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so he was out front, just hanging out, and I, I walked up to him kind of quietly. And Hectic was there. It was funny, and Hectic didn't recognize him either. And I, I had known him because I had watched the sad, uh, sad clown. Yeah, the, whatever, the dub, long, whatever the, yeah, the yeah. long video they made that was ridiculous uh i had watched that before and i i walked up to him like hey you man and he's like yeah man like you're the first person to recognize me and i was like oh man it's great to see you. the production of the, like i just talked to him and you know like praised him because that album was great and he was a lot of it um yeah and it was just funny because after i did the hectic I was like hey man like your aunt like it was that he like you know talked his ear off just like i did it was it was fun to be that and meeting idea was also incredible. I oh, that was before I was, I was a photographer. But meeting him out, he was a by the throat tour, and he was out front smoking a cigarette. Him smoking a cigarette blew my mind. I was like, "You smoke cigarettes?" That I, with, I do see. I do see people like that smoke cigarettes. With that breath control, how? The, I know what. I um, it's funny. I was just talking to Pilsy last week about this. That our biggest musical regret was that Pilsy once had a conversation with Idea about doing a Mike Monarchy song. And he said, and this was maybe like 15. It was probably at this. Oh, it was, it, it was probably it, at this show. I, it might have been. I, it could have been. I thought for some reason it was at Rock the Bells, but I could be totally Oh, it might have been up. there, right? It might have been there. With the money he quoted was money that back then sounds like what probably Insane, sounds, but Yeah. It was like 1500 bucks and it was like, and a beat and it was and with an idea, with an abilities beat. And like in hindsight, I'm just like, can I with go an back? Abilities and beat? That, yeah. yeah. Like it's, and it would have been like, about 500 bucks each for me you know narconics and pills i don't know i don't know why but like it just didn't that's my biggest regret musically is that that never happened but. it was so funny because meeting him I, I i was talking over i was like dude you you changed the way i worked looked at the world on the um the what was the thing that was on oliver HBO? hart the blade no the blaze battle 
I saw oh, him in the yes. Blaze Battle when I was in high school. It was on oh, HBO God. two at like eleven o'clock at night one night, and it was a white kid just destroying anyone that came in in front of him on HBO. Yeah, and I was it, like, this this was, I think before, it might have been right as like Slim Shady LP was coming out, and like I don't know, people nowadays don't understand how different the world was as a white hip hop fan right at that yeah, time it was. you know it like was... there was no no legitimacy in that world whatsoever we like, were i was no talking business. with someone else where it was like we we'd be made fun of for the music we listened to i was Just like listening song, like the it. w word yeah. which i only call that because i don't want to you know give it the strength of saying it. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was like i mean that was like from like 91 for me until like 2000 until like chronic 2001 came out to where like yeah. i was called yeah. that like every absolutely day. you you and i had gotten into it through watching skate videos i remember seeing uh hearing exhibit paparazzi in a full and one i watched and being like and you know i was so into like what my parents had shown me before that like i listened to the rolling stones the doors yeah you know, Fleetwood Mac and all that. And I'm like, what is this through a skate video? And a lot of my music in the beginning was through skate videos, like what people skated to. So I got my Van Van Morrison and stuff like that through there. And like Prince and like just all over the place, a really eclectic view of music. But I remember see, seeing well, this one montage in 4 and one and it was Exhibits Paparazzi. And then I went out and found the album at Quincy Records and Tapes. And then I then I was just like, what is this? I was like finding like Willy Wonka's like yeah, one chocolate factory yeah. in a, in a section in a music store and just being like what is this what is this what is this L- you know licking every wallpaper flavor yeah and and until like as weird as it is Slim Shady and that type of you know moment in music you felt like you had no place being there right. you felt like such an outcast in it like um. I don't know if that's my white. You're almost in. You almost seemed, felt like you were in the way a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I shouldn't have this because someone else should have this instead of me. Right. You know. Um. But after that, you felt a lot more comfortable in that space. You know, there was right. some legitimacy to our. And I would say too, like the one I think I remember when Eminem really became big, everyone's like, well, now white rapper is going to be huge, but that didn't happen right away. Cause it's like the first ones like Bubba Sparks didn't really blow up. Like Everlast did, but he wasn't really as a rapper and like people like idea and stuff like that. Like they, yeah, but they gained an never, audience, I, but then I didn't up. never, I didn't ever made it to like, ex- like, unfortunately, like super prominence, yep. you know, yep. you know, unfortunately, um, I mean, Atmosphere this, is probably the most famous of like them and Aesop Rock are probably the most famous. That, of that. I would say Atmosphere is the closest to a to a uh, household name you'd get in that type of space, especially because uh, they appeal to he has the, the he appeals to the female crowd more than a lot of yeah, others. Logic, I think, would be the second oh, yeah. to Eminem when it would yeah. come to it. Um, I I think Mac Miller is probably oh, the God, most. Man. The most, and I got in, into him like right as Swimming was coming out. I got into him way late unfortunately i didn't really um, get into him until after he passed i listened to some of his stuff a little bit but like i just what's, now what's crazy i have all I got, this stuff on vinyl it's amazing i got i got into him right before he passed away i had that chance to shoot him and i went to philly instead to shoot a bando i went, I went to philly to shoot an abandoned church because it was abandoned for a short period of time and i went down to philly to shoot that and i wasn't into mac miller at the time and i came back and it was right when swimming came out and i got really into him and i was like this kid's incredible yeah. next time he comes around i'm shooting him and that's all I was thinking. And then within like 
I don't know, a month he had passed away. And that was one of the first, like, first in a while that, like, a, like, a, someone I didn't know really, like, hit me hard. Like, crazy. Such a talented, talented dude. Just, it's just his, you can, his presence alone, just hearing him, like, giggle on a song makes in like as an ad lib gives you a feeling like he just has this ability yep. to fill the room with his energy even just through records just so just transcendent just transcendent in his in his music and just such a different way than mo- most other artists i've ever heard yeah his the book most dope that came out about him in the past like maybe six months through years really good if you haven't read that um people should definitely check that out um yeah he's just just remarkable you know, I think the, the mistake I made with him is that I was like that crusty old hip hop head that was like, oh, was it Lord for he was like a Lord Finesse beat and didn't really give him credit. And I was just wrote him off for like a decade after that, like an asshole. I did the exact same thing. I remember hearing him <laughs> and thinking he was another um, Asher Roth. Right. Yep. That's yep. exactly the the box I ignorantly put on him. Yeah. Um, And it was all me just being an idiot Um, and not get it not being able to get into them until way later yeah i had a similar thing with um so i i, I just finished an album that i meant for the skippy and i did and i was able to get people like cool keith on it and um ras cast and elza and esoteric and stuff and um like young dirty bastard but i was trying to get um shock g from digital underground on it and i had talked to his manager a couple times and she was like he doesn't do a whole lot anymore but put your best proposal together and put it in front of him and then i was working on it and he passed away like like you know within a few weeks i was like that that to me like he was such a huge influence on me he was the one who really showed me that well there is this world of hip like you know we grew up where we weren't like i said we weren't really accepted in the hip-hop world but if you yep. look to someone like Digital Underground, you could feel they were going out. So they were already just being wild. Like you could see how they might not even be accepted in some corners of hip hop. At least in my head, you're like, are they really going to like if they were in the same room with NWA? Like what would happen? Like in my life, yep. you know, set. but like and so it was easier for me to go, oh, you can rap about anything. Like you can do a song about nose jobs. You can do a song about the Humpty Dance. And it's like that to me was my way of going, OK, I can. There's a, there's a path in for me. And yeah. No. And then to go on and have such an influence on Tupac's career, you're like, you're like, you're so multi-talented, but I digress. Um, So you, I, I meant to dig this up today and I, I realized, I thought I had ordered this, but I ended up not. You you put a book out a few years ago. If there's any more copies available, I'd love to order one. Um, Is that still, is that still kicking around? Uh, yeah. It's so that is through like a third party. They print them as they're ordered, I believe. Oh, cool. Um. Yeah, the cover is um, the evidence bag that they kept my camera in as evidence for a year and six months um, as I was charged with felony trespassing by the MBTA. Yeah, I don't want to turn this into the get indicted hotline, but I'm also all ears for any sort of uh, stories like that you want to share. (laughs) Oh, I got plenty of them, unfortunately. Uh, So I was running train lines after hours in Boston and I got caught. in an area I wasn't supposed to. And they threatened me with terrorism charges. Because through the Patriot Act, they added something where if you get caught on rooftops or in tunnels, they can it's an act of terrorism. Sweet Jesus. It's infiltrating the infrastructure of a major, major metropolitan or some bullshit like that. So they charged me with felony trespassing that I end up having to um plead down to misdemeanor breaking and entering. So I have a B and E on my record now because I took a picture of a tunnel i wasn't supposed to be in um 
but upon getting out, they gave me my camera back and it was in an evidence bag that just said John Mooney Canon camera. And yeah. that was it. And like getting SD used. card. <laughs> SD card. I'm like, well, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm definitely keeping that. Silver like, lining. <laughs> evidence is a camera. What are you talking about? So I just I uh, altered it a little bit. I took the officer's name off of it and changed the case numbers and stuff. And I made it uh, so the book's name is not evidence. And it's all evidence from crimes I've committed. Or uh, in the prologue. I wrote that it, uh, I purchased all the images from a homeless man at Harvard Station, and the stories were told to me by him. And I, I accept no responsibility for anything in the book. I'm just a passer of knowledge from a homeless man I uh, met in uh, Harvard train station. That'll hold up. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a cop out or anything. No. I mean, uh, do you, how often does that, I mean, because I, I mean, obviously. I've been, I've been arrested probably five or six times for trespassing my thing is all right yes am i breaking this has always been my issue this has been my issue my entire life i see it from both sides since i've been a skateboarder since i did graffiti like yes i'm grinding on not my property i'm defacing this i shouldn't be doing it i'm there's a lot worse things i could be doing in the world right right and and my defense in growing up in boston as in the early 90s 2000s there wasn't anywhere else for me to go. I didn't have a choice. They had to chase me out of Copley every day. They had to chase me out of financial, throwing myself downstairs. There was nowhere else for me to go. They didn't give me any options. I didn't have any choice. They had to they had to arrest me in the train lines when I was painting graffiti because I didn't have anywhere else to go. You know, there wasn't anywhere yeah. else for me to go. Uh, was they doing the wrong thing? Yeah, whatever. I didn't have any, any options. Uh, now I'm doing the least amount of that. I'm typically just accessing... I, very rarely, if never, do I have to actually physically break into a spot. Yeah. Break and entering doesn't necessarily mean you broke into a spot. You're just in there. If you're right. inside, it's breaking and entering. If you're outside, it's trespassing. If you're inside, it's breaking and entering. Um, so you don't have to break in to break and enter. You can just have an open window or know the window that's open and get charged with that. Right. Um, typically, I'm just going into a spot I'm not supposed to be in and getting caught i'm not defacing anything i'm not breaking anything i'm just taking pictures and if i didn't get caught in the act they would never even know i was there right it's just bad timing it's it's a game of cat and mouse and cat and the mouse doesn't live forever the cat has to eat right you know that's ultimately what it is is it's funny too because some of the places it makes me wonder why people like you know i know why you're there but it makes you wonder why there's people even monitoring those areas at this point well uh Nine times out of ten, it's a place that might have a little historical value, or the value of the property flat isn't worth the cost of abatement to remove the asbestos that is there that you can't just knock down. You have right. to take out all the asbestos before you demolish. And asbestos abatement is expensive. Yeah. So yeah. they'll just let it sit there and rot into themselves. And watch, you know, watch that happen rather than pay for abatement, demolish it, and then put up condos and no parking. That's what they yeah. that's what they do everywhere, you know? Like yeah. waiting for the place to crumble into itself so they can put up a, a 
you know, an Amazon fulfillment center. Yeah. <laughs> so they can the build a warehouse for robots to buy things for other robots. It's I'm <laughs> such an old guy at this point, but like that's what it is. You know, yeah, they'll just dem they'll demolish it and put an Amazon there. Yeah, that's that's the world we live in. Are you surprised that like one thing that um blows my mind when I look at your stuff is is how much stuff actually gets left behind? Like you know you you go into these rooms and I actually got to remember there was one that you went into where it was it seemed like a totally abandoned building. Then you turned to right and the room was like pristine white. Oh, all right. So that that was one of the coolest things about the same. That was in um, New York on Long Island at this place, uh, Kings Park. It's a well-known abandoned yep, that sounds hospital. It's huge. Um, it's, it was in a building 93, which is a short of 20-story high building. Uh, a large, large thing. I want to say it's like 16 or 17 stories. I don't have to get exactly. But anyway, um, it was that was an art installment by a oh. couple that, like a couple of artists that live in New York. They went there like every day for a weekend they found different like beds and stuff like that in there painted the entire room white everything in it white and made it look like a brand new hospital room in a building that is, has graffiti on every other inch of it so i was i watched it on instagram and i had already sworn to never go back there because i'd been there three times and it was just beat it's a crap. I just, it wasn't very interesting for someone like myself. Right. It probably been um, overshot, like, you know, overshot that, really that art have seen at all. There's only so many swastikas and penises that you can Photoshop out of an image. And it, just yeah. gets, it gets old. Um, but I can't tell you how many shots I saw of just the room itself. So I'm sitting at my house in Weymouth at the time. And I'm like, why isn't anyone shooting the hallway, which is covered in graffiti, which gives it. Yeah. Gives the it context. Its, yeah, you you need to, if you don't know where in the world it is, it's just a hospital room. Right. You know it's an abandoned building and it's a complete different hit, you know? Like that was the whole reason it was interesting in my opinion. So I I'd, I'd watched it for like 3 weeks online. I'm like, why isn't anyone shooting this fucking hall? Cuz I knew it was in Kings <laughs> Park. They'd show like the 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 door frame. Right. But not like, like the you But not the more. the context. I'm like you need to show what and at the time my camera was in camera was in evidence <laughs> mind you so i went and so the people after they finished they locked up the room it was it had like a heavy duty state new york state hospital lock on it and someone had rubber cemented the door closed so uh. you couldn't get in you could shoot it through the window so i met my buddy eddie and he came with a uh not a blow toy like something that they used to do dabs like a blowtorch. oh thing. yeah 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 he blow he has he has a state key so he blow he came met me there blowtorch out the lock and um let me use his camera because he had a wide angle i could use to shoot it on a card so i could go home and edit it it was the only time I've, my wide images on that are the only images you've ever seen me shoot on a nikon camera because not he let man. me use his, he let me no no I I could care less honestly oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not that guy a different path than like I I have straight. Canon I have Canon well the thing is once you invest in lenses yeah yeah you're kind of like, stuck yeah. I have you know ten I well at one point had you know six grand worth of Canon lenses you know so it's like yeah I'm not gonna buy a Nikon body with all that nice glass there yeah um, 
so I yeah, I used his camera and we I was able to get in and actually shoot the room and in its context where where it is because that was the coolest thing about it and within two months later some kids he locked it back up but some kids got in there and set a fire in the middle of it and ruined it it's, it, it's so that, that's that was like three that was like three years ago and it probably lasted about two to three months after that's just so that must drive you crazy because you know it's obviously that's why you know there are people trying to get people out of these areas is because you know obviously it's it's illegal to trespass but people are worried about fires that are gonna you know take down forests and kill people and wildlife and houses and they're worried about just people you know i guess you know committing crimes and stuff like actual serious violent crimes and stuff there how frustrating is that when you see people that don't treat the areas with the respect that you do so my thing is it it, it it drives you crazy if you let it. Um, my, nine times out of ten, it's not the explorer that got a pin from another photographer. It's a local kid that found the spot and had a can of spray paint. Like some 12 to 14-year-old that lives close by. Right. It's very rarely a kid that's driving four hours to go there that's going to trash it. I will say that in this quote unquote community of urbex photographers, I have probably encountered more toxic people in this than I have in any other of my artistic ventures. Why do you think that is? I wish I could explain it to you. I don't get it. Um, An abundance of time on their hands in my experience. Um, I don't know. I, uh, it's very, really the, other urbex photographer that's destroying a spot it's usually fires are nine times out of, in in my opinion usually the property owner because it's cheaper to burn the place down yeah. than it is to abate can of matches a lot cheaper than abatement in my opinion yes. but people don't want to have that conversation right. <laughs> uh, or if it's like graffiti and stuff like that it's usually some kid you know it's usually some local kid that just came across it it's very really you know somebody coming across um and if you really want to shoot it bad that bad you would have got there before yeah good you know yeah. and you can't get to every spot there's some fucking incredible spots in tokyo i'd love to go to i'll probably never get there doesn't mean i have i have to shit on someone that does get there you know a lot of times it's pe- it's people just jealous of other people doing stuff yeah. like that's the attitude too that i think really holds a lot sucks. of people back what other people eat doesn't make me shit right so i applaud other people doing stuff I I was getting into photography right around when Instagram started. So when I got good at photography and started doing it more, people would be like, why doesn't Instagram drive you nuts? Everyone thinks you're a photographer now. And I'm like, that doesn't, right. if anything, that, that helps that helps me because A, if I'm that good of a photographer, I'm going to stand out. If I'm not that good of a photographer, I won't stand out. That's fine. Like I, I'd be, I'm okay with not being a good photographer. I get enjoyment out of it regardless. You know, I get my, my artistic fix through it. Um, and you can look at a million of different pictures to get inf- inspiration from, you know, like see what other people are doing. Like no two pictures are ever going to look identical. You can go to the same spot, the same time of day, the next day, it's going to look different it'll never look the same as that person going there at that time. It might look almost identical, but there'll be differences. There'll be a blade of grass differently, something different about something. No two pictures will be the same. So I don't care if you set your tripod up in the same 
divots is where mine was you know it's gonna look different right. in some way. which as somebody who's who's like shot film and stuff in the past like has tried to go back and get pickup shots of things that is an unfortunate reality no matter even how hard you try to be like oh make sure this is the same and the door is the same way it's it's nope. it's always you, know, you, you gotta try different. and make that look the same through the like color grading and stuff like that there's yeah. like ways to make it kind of look but it won't look it in my opinion you can digitally alter it to make it seamless but i i don't think in not my gonna fool opinion, everybody i don't i don't think it'll ever be like i said it'll be pretty close but it won't right. be identical it won't yep. be identical well because i have people that will get because you go to symmetrical works and what i do you know so typically there's in a in a room there's maybe four shots you know, you want to shoot from the middle of the route. You want to line everything up. And that's where I've gotten bored a lot of times in photography is like you, you, you find the cool abandoned room. You sit in the center of it. You line up everything exact. You take a picture. You find the next center of the room. It's just finding the center of the room like over right. and over again. So you, you start to get in these ruts where you're just shooting everything identical. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that really, it, am I just going through the motions or am I actually like working my camera and finding so I've been I've been trying to think more outside the box within the past two years. Because you mentioned even like the growth you saw between the, your first child and your second child in terms of photographs is like mm-hmm. you always want to see that. Like it's like you yep. want to be seeing that growth your entire career. Like if you're just seeing the same photos over and over again, then it is easy. It is easy to slide out of practice. It's easy to slide into even depression over over things like that. So it's, oh, absolutely it's challenging yourself. Well, I mean the way we, I've. While I was um, working and getting in photography, I watched thousands and thousands of videos on YouTube on B&H, which is a camera store in New York. But they also have hundreds of hours of photography symposiums on their YouTube where they have some of the best photographers in the world and talk about, you know, composition or lighting or, you know, um, the use of telephoto versus wide angles and they'll go on and on and on for four hours talking about photos. Yeah. I've probably gone through all of them two to three times, you know, like when I was learning, I was learning, I was taking everything in. Um, and it comes to a point, I think of after about four to five years of using a camera, where you just know it, it becomes right. an extension of you, you know, it's, you, there's nothing on that camera that you don't understand. And that's when you could really get down to it and yeah. really get into the fun aspects of photography, the less technical, the, the compositions, the, you know, playing with how your wide angle will use this curve of this like bench versus, all right, I have to make sure the lighting's here, you know, and, and like that becomes second nature and you start to use the world around you and how you frame it a lot differently in that time after the grace period of learning it and then after that like you find something that works and then it's easy to get in a rut that that's where i got for a while you just find what works all right this is what people like i'll never understand what people like honestly oh yeah same way i'll i'll put out something i'll work on a shot for hours and be like all right this is awesome it won't do anything i'll put up a shot that i think is you know a throwaway i just want to put something up today it'll go through the roof yeah it's it's it, and even for me that was a big thing is accepting that I'm not objective over my own work was a big thing. That was a very freeing part of my um 
of my artistic journey where you're just like, okay, well, I'm not always going to know what people are going to like, and that's totally fine. And it's like, if I release everything that I like, certain things will hit. And it's, right. it's hard. Oh, is my yeah, internet you, going unstable? I, mine was, it froze for a second. Oh, I think I'm back. I, I, I ugh, stupid internet. All right. Um, yeah, I'll never understand. My, what's probably, what's probably my, um best shot that people will like is on a hard drive somewhere that will never see the light of day you know like like my kid will find it on a like roll of film that i haven't developed yet or something yeah. you know like that's that in something that i think is a throwaway everyone will think is the best thing ever right which actually was the, you know, they say about art is that once you make it it's no longer really yours so no, it's it's a cultural yeah. thing it, it belongs it it's owned by the world to to interpret how they want and I, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Whole people that are too precious about their own, like there's two people, like I don't like when people aren't serious enough about their own art where they kind of just spend their whole time saying, oh, I suck, whatever, whatever. But people that are too precious about it are also kind of like, you really got to walk that fine line. It's a fine line because I, I hate to say I'm a good photographer, but I've I'll say also it. you're been, a great photographer. I appreciate that. But I'm also, um, I can be a better photographer. Right. I will always be being a better photographer because I always strive to do that. Um, it's, and if I wasn't a good photographer, I've been doing it the better part of, you know, almost 12 years at this point. If I wasn't a decent photographer at this point, I should probably hang it up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, honestly, I've put enough time into it that I better be good. Like or at least, inept enough to get through it you know so um but i i still enjoy it i still love doing it every chance i get i try to do it every day when i can you know yeah it's funny you sort of mentioned too something that i was talking to pilsy about about he was talking about how he spent basically it's a long period of time just studying how to make beats and basically just kind of accepting you know nothing and I think it's it's hard for a lot of people to go. Th- and I did that with drawing. It's like it's hard for a lot of people to really just in their head go, okay, I really know one half of one percent of what I not want about about that. And just building yourself up from scratch. But everybody I know who's done that has gotten so much better at whatever their craft is. It's it's a tough pill to swallow to realize you suck at something, right? But and you know what, what goes with that too is that is that even if you're good at it. A lot of people, like we talked about Judge, where it seemed like he was almost magical at what he did because he was so far ahead of us. And it's like, you almost think, well, it's not even that special if I have to work. Because you kind of want to believe you're special in some ways as an artist. But you're like, oh, this is like anything else where you just kind of just keep working at it till you're good, you know? And then you realize, yeah. oh, that's what makes you special is being happy. Yeah, that it, it's the hard work. Yeah, right. it's the hard work behind it. But it's but what came first. Right. You know, a lot of times it's what what came first, the chicken and the egg. Was the was the talent there? Was the hard work what brought the talent out? You right. know, because right. doing it's the hard the, work is really hard when you suck. It's a lot. It's a lot easier when you when you already are good. But when you yeah. when it feels like you have no hope to stick with it is is almost insanity. <laughs> like yeah, a hundred percent. I spent most of COVID learning film photography. I try. I right after high school i didn't go to college and then i went to college like a year later and i went for film photography but then i dropped out almost instantly my brother passed away so i dropped out for those reasons but i also was like 
lost in that class. Yeah. So what I went to I went to film school like probably like maybe a few years before that. And it was very similar. And it was also very expensive because shooting on film back then was very expensive. So it's like to even commit to that, you're committing yourself to regular expenses, which sucks. And it was funny because like years later I went back to like to talk at a class in that in that play in at Quincy College for for a buddy of mine that was a professor and like did a did a small little like hi I'm John I've you know I've been to Chernobyl blah 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 I do yeah. like a band of art that type of thing and at uh North Quincy High School after like dropping out of film school basically you know <laughs> and just lay it it took me um finding it in a different way I think digital photography is a beautiful thing that I never would have been able to learn lighting and stuff like that without that that ease of learning curve so anyone that learned it previous like i have buddies like my buddy fricker who's a film photographer and he he went to um nisa new england school of photography and he learned on film and that blows my mind because that was i couldn't imagine having to write down all right i shot at this settings and remembering what the day looked like at that point all right, and that's why this photo looks like this. Not being able to just take a shot and look at the back of my camera and be like, "All right, that's how it does it." Right, and that, that was, was like it. when I went to film school and we were shooting on sixteen millimeter. It was like you got to shoot it, and then you got to find out in like two weeks if it came out okay, and if it didn't, you really had no chance to redo it. And you're just, it's just, it's. But a you had to remember. You had to remember why it didn't work. Right. Like what? What aspect of you fuck you fucking up was it? Right. And on this piece of equipment that's sixty years old. Yeah. Well, I have a I have a medium format film camera that I like paperclip traded up for. Basically, I bought uh, a lesser camera for like 250 bucks and then traded and then traded. And now I have this like beautiful medium format film camera that I could I could sell all my digital stuff and use this for the rest of my life and be happy. Wow. Um, but it's. uh it was released in 74 so there's no electronics to it there's not an electronic wow. in the thing it's all mechanical uh, i had my buddy that owns norwich camera company down in connecticut completely overhaul it he cleaned it looked through the bellows did everything it's like it's brand new that wow. day and it'll last and the hunter could shoot with it until he's old and gray you know the thing will outlast me um, and it's so much fun to shoot with. And I can't tell you, it, well, I'll go out and shoot like street photography in Boston and people are like, I have, what is that thing? I haven't seen a camera like that. And if it's like, it's typically old people. Like they'll yeah. be like, I haven't seen a camera like that in like 40 years. What what are you doing? People don't know what to expect. They don't, because right. I still look like me. I know you can't right. see me currently. Right. I'm, st- I'm still, you know, I'm a six yeah. foot tall kid with a backpack and a, hoodie you know yeah people we haven't we haven't changed our style much no no I, i'm a i'm a i'm a uh creature of habit so me to too. speak and um they see me lugging around a brick of a camera like what the, i don't know what to think of you yeah. and, and also that's been my expect my um uh, my dealings with cops also they they find it really hard to believe that i'm just there to take a picture they think i'm going going there to steal copper or do a million right. other Whereas they was like, no, I'm just a just a photographer. Like yeah. I, I apparently look like the worst person on earth, but it's hard to believe I have uh benevolent purposes. 
Yeah, I know. It it is sad because it's like, you know, you always say that anytime anybody runs into a cop, it's like never it's the cops always see people on their worst day. Cause if you're talking to a cop, it's usually not for a good reason. So it's 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 like they always are assuming the worst, it seems. You know, because most True. of the time it probably is the worst, but it's yeah, still I like, mean they they do spend a life uh, their life's work is getting lied to nine times out of ten. Right, right. And I'm no, I'm somebody who's not doesn't want to be on record defending the cops. So yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. as I was saying that, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I accept cops, on a but... human level how it can be frustrating, but um, yeah, but they also signed up for it. Fuck the fraternity. That's um, funny. You know. <laughs> funny. I was looking. I was, you know, this is probably. I had a magazine sitting here. I don't want to say what it was, but it says in the corner, um, alumni. I'm not going to say the name. Was beaten by fellow Boston police officers. Now he's proud to be the city's top cop. And I'm like, that sounds like gang initiation to me. Like, and I'm not that's all it is. It. Like, um, but, like, well, I, I have friends. There's probably have... more to that story, and it's like I just yeah, read that course. one I mean, thing, and it's just that's what stood out to me. But you know, there's three sides to every story. You know, there's one side, two sides, and the truth. You know, it's they're fraternity, and they protect the brotherhood. That's yeah. always been my thing. The cops are a fraternity and they protect the brotherhood. And if you're yeah. not in it, you're, you're not part of it. You know, serve and protect to a point. Yeah. But you I, ever had any, um, I, I, is there a big range that you say you've been arrested five or six times? Is there, have you encountered like a different range of cops the whole time? Or is it pretty much like is, you, you, it happens the way you think it's going to happen? Well, I mean, my problem is it, I'm probably one of the few people that this day and age, I still, I've still ran from cops. Like I did that once. That was the one time I almost got arrested is, and someone's like, you never really run. Cause that you're, yeah. that's like admitting guilt. And I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm just so used to it. I've been doing it since I was 14 years old. Yeah. I've literally, since I was in middle school, I realized I could take the bus that I took to go to middle school, the MBTA bus I took to go to middle school that would have like, junkies puking on themselves on a tuesday morning while i'm going to, i'm going to homeroom yeah. in sixth grade i learned that i could take the red line into boston so then i'm on my skateboard at copley skipping school running from cops you know chasing me one cop taking out a um a, a skate tool and taking a wheel from me and telling me to go back to school he's like oh your day's done took one of my wheels he's 100 percent right it took me a week to get another pair of wheels you know like it's smart fucking cop yeah. um but i've been running from cops my entire life i played three sports in high school i played hockey baseball and i ran from cops that was that was that's what i've, I've told people before um so my problem is nine times a lot of times with me it's a property owner so it's not you know right. that bad but <laughs> this is a this is a good one so you you know i'm old i'm You're younger than me though I, on my 40th birthday. I, I just turned 44 the other day. <laughs> happy birthday. Thank you. Um, it was on a Tuesday and I had the day off from work. And so I was like, I know this abandoned uh, high school, beautiful high school in Connecticut. I'm going to spend my 40th birthday shooting this incredible library. Um, I'll show you the picture later. Um, it sounds familiar. I might have seen these. It, I, it, it, it's in my recent photo. Yeah, it, I did it's see a that. school library recently. And I was um, I couldn't believe it. There was all that stuff there. All the books and stuff. That so all right. It's a Tuesday morning. I get there. So I I pre-ed on pretty much everything at this time at this point. I get in and my camera's already set up as I'm watching the sun come up. I wanted to get like the best light. It's I hate myself for it and it's the most work and it's the worst mornings and all that, but it makes for the best shots. Um, so 
six o'clock in the morning, I'm smoking a joint with my camera all set up in this abandoned high school library, waiting for the sun to come up. And I'm just, you know, like hanging out, looking out the window and I see three all black, like SUV trucks on just pull up on the corner. I'm like, hmm, that's not good. And I had already seen empty like paint, paint casings and stuff on the ground as I was coming in through like the dark hallways and stuff like that. So I'm like, hmm. So I grab my camera and I take, I like, I grab the tripod and stuff and I look out again and I can see them like putting on tactical vests. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. So I instantly pack up my camera and I'm in a full sprint running out the back door of this high school as they're coming in this almost identical back door on the opposite side of the building to come in to do like live fire training to like practice of clearing rooms and stuff like that. So I'm like diving through a hole in the a hole in the fence that's like covered in barbed wire and stuff. It's still 40 degrees out. You know, it's still pretty cold in Connecticut. I'm running a quarter to, you know, half mile to my car that's parked far away. So it doesn't like look sus suspicious out of place because it has Massachusetts plates. All while I'm like, have a 40 pound camera bag and tripod hanging off my back half, like half off of me with a joint hanging out of my mouth. <laughs> and I get back to my car and I'm like, almost basically ready to throw up at this point. Like I'm just all, like, just so exhausted from this whole like experience. And I'm like, I'm 40 years old and I'm still yeah. doing this. Yeah. Like when is enough enough? And I get home and I put my camera, I put my card and then my and my computer and I'm going through it. And I'm like, I'm looking at the photos and all I think is, fuck, I have to go back. Oh, isn't it wild? Like, I mean, I how many times have you quit and, and gone in and, and then unquit in the same day? Because I have for everything I've ever done. I announced in this podcast I wasn't going to do this movie I'm working on. And later that day, I was working <laughs> on it. <laughs> I'm still what do you, <laughs> what kind of movie? Oh, well, I made this film. I made this album, Drinking Songs for Children. Um, and I got a bunch of cool rappers on. I invested a lot of time into it and stuff. And then I decided that I wanted to make like basically a music video for the whole album and then have like, and have then have, be, have, have some commercials in between. So I'm basically yeah, doing yeah, a music yeah. video for each of them and it all yeah, yeah, yeah. has a loose story. So I've been working on that. The album's been done for a little over a year and mastered and everything. And then the film is maybe like, I'm finally making some real progress because part of it is animated. So I did draw yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had Pillsy up here shooting some stuff and, and Nick. That's awesome. So it's, that's I think awesome. it's going to be pretty wild. So that's great. That's good. That's a good uh, it's that going to be the title for the movie too. Yeah. Drink, yeah. Drinking, uh, drinking songs for children. Yep. So oh, that's great. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I always want to do a horror movie. Yeah, it's funny because now I that now I'm starting thinking about once this is done, what is possible? Because it's like, well, I could probably shoot a real film if I can do this. Like, you know, all the only thing harder is capturing sound. So I'm like, maybe you could yeah, do something. Yeah, that's like that. that's the issue is the this, but uh, you could do a lot of that in ADR and stuff like that too. And yeah. you know, through yeah, it's crazy what you can do. I always I always want to do a horror movie. That was that was the one thing I wanted to do. I mean, there are so many like. Do you I have think a whole I, script written out? 
Um, well, it's really, I do, but it's not, see, most of it is not, um, like the commercials have to be scripted because, um, yeah. uh, Pillsy and I don't want to give too much away, but Pillsy and I was, yeah, well, sorry, here. I didn't mean to, <laughs> uh, no worries, because no I'm also trying to get people to talk about it too. But, um, yeah. so he was up here, we were shooting like a parody of a, of a commercial that used to run a lot when we were kids. So yeah. it was yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. was based on that. And That's then great. there's different little, there's a, there's a thing where the, um, some pro it's like pro wrestling promos like two going back and forth like as like yep. commercials yeah yeah yeah. In, so. yeah oh that's great that's yeah. great i think it'd be cool you know we're, yeah we're that sounds on. awesome so but um it's awesome. i was able to get the on um, the, the role that i wanted shock g for i ended up getting young dirty bastard for oh that's fantastic so, yeah that was um, it was so it was funny uh one it was a show for leads one night at the middle east and it was um what is it chris What's Big Pun's son's name? Oh, Chris, Chris uh, Rios? Chris R- Rivers? Or... Oh, yeah. you think you're right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, Chris. Um, anyway, but I was there to shoot him and someone else. And I'm out back and I was kind of like rushing through the, the sets and like I was taking a lot of pictures because I was getting smuggled by someone that was doing fire um sprinkler head testing in a building in boston he was putting me in like a laundry cart and smuggling me to the roof so i could shoot from the roof well he did sprinkler tests and i did it on his lunch break and the security guy like kind of loosely knew but was like kind of looked the other way but i had to meet him in like a parking garage in the basement and like get in this um laundry cart and then he put like a moving blanket on top me and then put like tools on top of that like right out of a cartoon it, it was straight up Mission Impossible type of thing. And then I got on the roof and it was like windy and I got to shoot from the roof. It was like right next to the um, the clock tower in in downtown. And it was, I think it's like probably 40 stories high. Um, but I was smoking a blunt out back and I'm smoking a blunt with this guy and I'm like, oh, you know, good show tonight. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a good show. And then like he passes to me. He's like, have a good night. And I'm like, yeah, you have a good night too. And it, all of a sudden, he goes out and he does his dad's part on uh, "Beware." And I was in the middle blunt. of Little Italy. Little did they know they were middle to middle men and didn't do diddly. You know it. And I was smoking a blunt with him, having no clue who it was. That's and then all, su- and all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh yeah, have a good night." And then just went straight out to do like one of the best songs ever in oh honor of his God. dad. And I was like, "Holy shit, that was him!" That's funny. <laughs> Fucking crazy. That actually reminded me just um, of something else. Where so years and years back, Skippy and I, he used to do sound around Boston, and it reminded me of how easy it is to to sort of get in places when you don't know you're not supposed to be there. Because he, because yep. IBN abilities and I think Atmosphere were playing a show at the Roxy, whatever that club is, the one where like, I went to one of those shows. Yeah, you might have been at that show. And so he was like, I think my friends are doing sound. So we can just go in and see if we can, we can get Skip in the back, go in the back. So he's like, I'm like, all right. So we just go in. There's a door open. We just walk in, walk through the things. Like, you know, he's assuming he knows these people. And we get in the door. We get go to the hallway, open the door, and we step out. And we're just right in the middle of the Roxy. And he looks around and goes, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right. We got in for free. We didn't have bracelets because we couldn't drink because, you know, we didn't go to the line. But, like, we just literally just walked in like we thought we were supposed to be there. And it was not a problem. That's so fantastic. I remember uh, it must have been – it was probably 90, 95. I was 96. I was just in, just getting into high school. Me and two of my buddies were in Boston just running around skating and causing a ruckus. And we walked, it was at night 
and Fenway Park, one of the gates was open. Oh. And we, I mean, this is before like cell phones, anything. Right. Like, I had to be home when the lights, the street lights came on, you know, that type of, those type of years. And the gate was open and we could see straight out on the field. So we ran out onto the field and we started running around the bases until someone over the loudspeakers yells, Hey, you little fucks, get off the field. And we just like, ah, and ran out of Fenway Park. And like, I couldn't imagine doing that now. Like, you get in so much trouble now. Like, back then it was just like something we did and we laughed about for years later. I'm still laughing about now. Yeah, I know. That's still a great story. You know, like, and I couldn't, like, that guy's probably I, loved yelling at kids every night too. Yeah, probably absolutely. For him. <laughs> it, it, yeah, he's probably telling his kids the same story. Yeah. You know, they're in their they're in their sixties. It was it was just so. Hey, fuckers, get off the field! And we were just running around on skateboards. It was so funny. Like, hey, don't leave the door open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't leave the when the keg's getting delivered. Don't leave the don't leave the yeah, gate open. I know it is pretty wild. Um. Good Lord. So, all right. Um, we've been going for like over an hour at this point. Um, anything, anything coming up you're working on that you want to like shout out or, and I mentioned that book that I'm going to um, try to track down in order later on yeah, tonight. I appreciate but, that. Um, and, um, you made it, I was trying to find it. So I think I, I tagged you originally because I was wearing the shirt that you made a few years back. And then I was going to bring it with me today, but I think it's actually in a bag I packed because I wanted to use it for part of my film. So it might make an appearance in there. So oh, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. The clearance people, but um, <laughs> the, um, um, oh, you have you have you have my complete okay. All right, it's on tape now. So the yep. um and it was and so like I I love all your stuff. I bought your dad. I bought my dad a. He was a big Volkswagen guy. He's working on Volkswagens forever. Bought oh, him nice. the VW graveyard, which he loves. Oh, um, I heard that guy, the owner of that place. Who I never I went you know in, in an early morning trip, but I heard that guy just recently passed away. So rest in oh. peace to that guy. He had a crazy collection there that a lot of photographers went through, and I know. I'm sure some people stole from, unfortunately, but he, that was his like collection of stuff. I heard he, he that place they, that place will probably be gone in the next like couple of years. That yeah. they'll they'll get rid of it. But I heard that guy just passed away. And there's a chance my dad might even know him because my dad knows every. My dad's been in the VW. I would imagine that's he like a small everybody. world. Like, yeah, like my dad that, has and, every issue of Hot VW like ever put out. <laughs> like, and and that that's it's it's like urbex photographers. It's a it's a subculture of a subculture of a yeah. sub like you know like there's. I'm sure that's a, that's not the biggest net to throw out. I right. bet you they've they've bumped bumped elbows before. Yeah, my my dad he has a hot rod that he races up at um New England Dragway and stuff like that. Oh, that's he, awesome. He's he's someone who got sober and then got you know he'd always been into whatever, but then once yeah. he got sober, it became his pet project. And it's like it was like oh wow, like you are they you bugs? Are, um yeah, it's so like you yeah. are legit putting all the same energy you put in this as you did to drinking because you're doing a kick ass job. Yeah, like, my buddy that was you know he was uh rec- ten year recovering heroin addict. He went from doing drugs to being like one of the most successful people i know and it's all like he put the same energy he used to get to getting high into like being a like successful person and it's just crazy to see it work the other way as well yeah it is it's it's (laughs) funny because the older my dad said to me he's like he he got sober in like his late 50s he's like if you have a problem deal with it now don't wait until you're my age because it gets harder every day to deal with it and it's oh absolutely you know it just compounds yeah, it does. It's and it's like and every night that you go to bed having drank too much is one night, one more night of bad sleep that's going to snowball into another bad day. 
Because I, yeah. I don't drink anymore. I was never a huge drinker, but like I was more of a gray area drinker. And like, but I haven't drank for a while. And it's like, it would be that community, that effect of not drink. I wouldn't drink 20 beers a night, but even having a few and every night I got one worse night's sleep. And then I just, my brain wasn't functioning. I was never a big drinker because my dad and his dad were big drinkers. My dad was sober the last 30 years of his life, but I, I do. I was very young and remember him as being uh, uh, not the nicest drinker. But um, I, I've always been a smoker since you couldn't be a smoker. Um, I'm, I mean, I did acid a couple weekends ago at a festival. I'm, more I'm not that above guy. any of that stuff either. <laughs> I, I did acid and mushrooms at a festival um, a couple weekends ago. And uh, if I'm at a show, I'm not, a lot of times I will have a beer just so people ask you why you're not drinking. Yeah, I'll like nurse one beer the entire time or if I'm shooting and I have drink tickets or whatever, I'll have a beer just so everyone's like, hey, you want a beer? I, I got one. Thank you. You know, like I'm I'm not a big drink. It's just not really enjoyable to me for whatever reason. I've never really been a big, a big drink. And it runs in my my yeah. family is not, it, you know, my dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. It's just. Us Moonies aren't good with the drinks. I get neither of the Johnsons. Um, I went to this large professor and J live show that was out here the other day. And like, I took a little mushroom chocolate, like a little bit before. And like, yeah. it was just the perfect level of mellow. And it was like, and um, I think my girlfriend had like one drink and I was yeah. just like, Oh, this is so much nicer than the way it used to be. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. you definitely like, you don't have that when it comes to be like 10 and 10 30, when the alcohol would be kicking you to another gear of like, yep. whatever you have to know, you have to walk away at that point and just go to bed. Cause I, I've never had any enlightening thoughts on drinking alcohol. I've definitely had more than a share on mushrooms. Right. And, and it's like, and I, the alcohol doesn't make anybody a better person from my experience. You know? No, no, better looking, but not better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that, but you know, fortunately, that works if someone else uses it. <laughs> I don't have anything to promote. I'm just always doing my trespassing thing and um, like trespassing on pretty much anything. I got the website. Um, yeah, just pretty much doing my thing, but I'll do another book eventually, maybe something bigger and um, more of a compendium of images I'd like to do, like a um like a coffee table type book. Yeah, that would be really cool because the images are really breathtaking. They deserve to be seen. And um, I heard you sort of muttering in the background of the um, of the Chernobyl video, like I didn't fly halfway around the world to get pictures of people in the background. And I'm like looking at these shots and I see one little person moving in the background. I'm like, oh, that would drive me wild too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so it was the bumper cars and I got yes, there that's and it was, it was, yeah. it was they, were, they were doing time-lapse with like a, like a, um, like the like table type thing they had two tripods set up and they were doing like long exposure time lapses and i know how long those take they can take hours you know and i was nice to them at first but like and i shot the ferris wheel and stuff and we were about to move to another area and i'll probably never be there again you know right. like and so like i'm like i'm not getting the chance to not shoot the bumper cars like I'll, I, I walked over there completely ready to ruin whatever the hell they were doing with no, like regard for their. The, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I was full of piss and vinegar at that moment. I was getting my shots and moving on because yeah. I wouldn't have the chance to go back. Um, but I wasn't doing something that was going to take more than twenty seconds. You know. Right. So wait, uh, just quickly on that, were there? That was an amusement park that never opened, right? That was supposed to open not long. That before was a uh, disaster. 
so that was a carnival they set up for the May Day Festival um, that the uh, disaster happened on the 28th or the 26th, and it's May 1st that they do that. And so they were setting it up for that, and then it was just a carnival. It was the 28th of April? That was my birthday. <laughs> yeah, tw- 28th of April. Uh, 28th or 26th. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and so they set that up for the May Day fair, and it just never went away. It was like you know Fiesta, Fiesta Carnival, like setup. Yeah, someone the, lost their deposit on that for sure. It, well, the only time it was used is they used it to keep the kids busy while they were filling up the evacuation evacuation buses. Oh shit! Mind you, they had already been set up for days and absorbing radiation from the leaking oh. reactor because radiation is stored in in metals and stuff like that so the kids sitting on those metal seats and stuff like that where i'm sure anyone that was sitting on those rides were exposed to high levels of radiation oh you know i just thought have you ever been to that abandoned wizard of oz park the i the one in virginia i believe i think it's it's somewhere around i think it's in virginia i have a buddy of mine shot those i kind of famous foggy shots of the yellow yep. brick road if that's what you're thinking of this yeah. kid johnny i went down um, a whole rabbit I've, hole on that one day yeah yeah that's a cool and it's spot. been revived a little bit over the years i was gonna say i don't know if it's still abandoned at this point yeah um, I, think, I think it gets bigger every year what they do with it but it seemed like it yep. was it's just like i remember um return to oz i saw that in a theater in the second grade and it yep. pretty much fucked up my next five or six years of sleep like <laughs> along with like dark crystal and the woman who gets sucked in the end of the computer of superman 3 like that <laughs> that really like just messed me up and um when i saw those images it was just it was like that come to life just, yeah. yeah 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 he he that kid johnny does really good work there's so much stuff down in virginia and west virginia and stuff i i get worried down there because that's really like shoot first type of yeah area you know they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna talk to you they're gonna shoot off their shotgun especially if you have a massachusetts plate <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Then they're, they're not even going to shoot in the air at that point. Yeah, shit. Goddamn. Goddamn city slickers. I, I know. I know. It is It is sad, though. I mean, maybe it was like that, too, in years, and we just didn't know it because the, the world was, was a bigger place. But, I mean, there are parts of this country where I'm just like, I can't really go there and dress the way I dress and whatever. And it's like, if I can't do that, why would I want to do it? Like, you know. I And it's... Well, I feel a little bit differently like than that because as... It's weird because I grew up a skateboarder, and as, as a skateboarder, you can almost go anywhere in the world and find people. That's a good point because I, I didn't have that sort of camaraderie in like a group that I belonged into later in my life because I was a very uh, much a loner kid. So that's I, I'm very, I feel very lucky in that aspect. I've been to Puerto Rico, I've been to you know Washington, I've been to California, and riding a skateboard down a street and like just being in that type. There's such yeah. a and more and now more than ever because when I grew up it, there was there was a real like me versus you type of skateboarding. Now everyone is like girls, boys, you know, all color, like all yeah. walks of life are in it too. And when I was growing up, it was a white guy sport, you yeah. know. And, and it was people it, that now, were sort of intimidating. It was almost like the movie, the movie Kids. It, it felt like yeah, that, and uh, you were on the outside yeah. looking in. And I wanted to live that so much, like. So much of that movie was everything I was. That I movie to be growing shook up. me to the to the foundations. Like it, to this day, I still. And that's one of those movies you watch now. It's more disturbing as back then because now you're like, oh, they actually are kids. I know, but Casper was like the coolest. You know, oh God, like he was so cool. I 
I stole forties rolling my pant legs up in New Hampshire at a spot, you know, when I was probably made it look 17 so years old, he made it look so easy. And I just went and did it like I, like I thought he did it. It was just normal. Yeah. Um, but that, that was such like a, and so in that community, like you can go, a, you cannot even speak the same language and go ride a skateboard and meet somebody and just have that almost camaraderie with, and, I I feel like you could it's almost a it's a cheat code almost in the world because you can go anywhere and meet someone you can almost like crash on couches and right. stuff through it like the, you can make lifelong friends through it it's there's definitely a different camaraderie in that so I I have never and I, admittedly I've never felt that in anything else I've done it has got to be a little bit of real recognized real to that because it's like if you watch somebody for five minutes you can pretty much tell you know general idea how good they are and if they're at least average you know they're the type of person who puts work into things and if they're exactly. that type of person they're usually yep. a pretty decent human being you know i'm gonna play you in a game of skate and i'm either gonna beat you or you're gonna beat me but there's gonna be a mutual respect found in it right you know and if we can you know talk shit to each other and have a little fun it's all the better like they, there is a definitely real recognized real mutual like all right, I can see what you could do. Like, this is what I could do type of thing. And now more than ever, it's not combative. It's more like a, a mutual like respect, honestly. And it, it's it's beautiful. It's great. It was in the yeah. fucking Olympics, is the last one. I know. And we're going breakdancing in the next Olympics, which I'm very excited for. I cannot wait to see what some of the other countries are going to bring for breakdancing. That's going to be insane. Now, see that? That, that's so weird to me because how do you, it, how do you judge skateboarding? I, I assume you, you <laughs> have to be similar to how the way they do like figure skating or something. I, and I like uh, interpretive dance or floor routines and stuff yeah. like that. That's how they'll have I mean, to... In the end, they judge it on how the ratings it gets because that's what it, they wouldn't be bringing it in if they didn't need, if they didn't want to get more people to care about the Olympics. So it's yeah. like, you know, if people watch it, they'll find a way to make it interesting, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's so tight because I've always, as much as I talk about skateboarding in the sport, I've always believed it's more of an art form than anything else because it's two people could right. do a kickflip and i can they, they can both technically be good i can i can have my opinion about which one's better but i'm not necessarily right right you know yeah. it's not like a point play, system you play like skate yeah. like you said but it's like that's yeah. essentially like horse for um, yeah yeah and that's i mean we can both do kickflips but one's one can look better and like what where's the value in that you know style is, is paramount to anything else in skateboarding in my opinion and that is that is an unquantifiable thing in it, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's tough, but that should be interesting with breakdance. And I didn't realize that's going to be in the next one. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's wild. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's a team sport or if it's um if it's individual one-on-one or both, but I gotta, I gotta dig that up, but they you know, should be doing both in my yeah. opinion. Cause if you go, if anybody who hasn't spent a few minutes Googling just breakdance videos, like just some of the stuff out there is ungodly. And you think about what you do if you have like a, if you had a sponsor and you had like you know a year to train like you'd, you'd be spinning like, on a finger. It's ungodly like acrobatic type of things. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow, it's, that's gonna be cool. Yep. So, so all right, we're hitting about ninety minutes here, so I don't want to eat up too much of your time and too much of these listeners' times. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. It's like um. I just definitely hit you. I mean, I don't know. You probably don't do a whole lot of commissions, but do do you do any or? Uh, well, I I have my kids pretty much every weekend, if not every other weekend. So I stopped doing weddings and stuff like that because that's typically when the, those when those are. And uh, 
my kids are 10 and eight now. So they want to hang out with me yeah. and stuff now. And about, you know, four, four years, maybe they're going to want to be doing their own things. So, yeah, so enjoy it. I'll yeah. make, I'll make the money. I'll make the money. Then I'm enjoying the time with them. Now they're going to, yeah. dad won't be as cool in four or five years. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my cool time now. But um, I'm not really doing commissions. I've, I've just kind of been shooting when I can and working as much as possible. All right. Well, I'm sure track. Go to his website. Um, I'm gonna try to track Tr- that book down. Trespassion on pretty much any social media, and you'll you'll find me. Yep. And we'll have that up the entire time here too with your so with your social information. I made up the words, so yeah. Fine. And it's funny because I remember one day I hit you up. I was sitting at my desk and I was looking at it and I was like. It looks like French for tray and then passion, like very I, tray mean French and passionate. And I felt like a genius. Like, did he think of that? Because it was like the tra- TRS was in red and the rest was in a different. It was it was legitimately like some like BS hip hop stuff. I was driving around at work like and I had just been like John Mooney photography before that. And it was driving me nuts. I was like, I don't want to be fucking John Mooney photography. And desolate photography doesn't really like no, it does, it's not going to sell. To my so I was, you know, I had already started doing like the bando stuff. So I'm like just messing with the word trespass in my head. And I'm like, trespass, pass, passion, trespassion. Just passion. No one's thought of that yet. Sweet. <laughs> I remember exactly where I, I was in traffic on my way home from work. And I could tell you where I was between, you know, Furnace Brook and the Milton exit on the highway stuck in traffic when I, I thought of it. And it was just like such a revelatory moment. And I'm like, it. I just instantly knew that's what I was going to run with. And awesome. it, no one else had had it. It wasn't like anywhere else. I've seen it a couple of, I've seen Trespassionate is another right. another yeah. one i've seen other ones i don't know if they've gone off of my thought but i it was uh it just worked when i thought of it i was just like that's so good yeah that's a great feeling every once in a while i i have that thing where i get myself it only happens like twice a year but i give myself like repetitive stress disorder from patting myself on the back because i'm <laughs> yeah. something like i'm like yeah i don't want to i don't want to tear my rotator cuff right, on right. it but yeah it was one of my better thoughts right but i will but there are times to do it for other people where i hear something else and i'm just like oh that line's been that 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 like punchline's been just been sitting there for 30 50 years of hip-hop and no one's grabbed it i could have but just oh, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> there you go so, i appreciate it i had a blast thank you yeah it's always a pleasure man all right i'll talk to you